Hey everyone, welcome to episode 13, season 2 of the Centennial Podcast. And this week we have a handful of topics lined up for you. We're going to start off with the Center's weekly recap and talk about the games that happened over the course of last week. We're going to move on and talk about the NHL trade deadline that's coming up in April and which Centers could be on the move. Next, we'll talk about the free agents coming out of UND and see which ones the Centers might be interested in signing. And finally, we'll move on to the 2021 NHL Entry Draft and the potential rule changes that could be coming down the pipeline this year. All right, let's get into it. We'll start with the weekly recap. And the Senators had a few games this week where they swam and a few where they sank. And we'll kind of start off with that 7-3 lopsided loss that the Senators had to the Flames. And Bennett, I know you've been wanting to talk about it. I know you're high on Decord. Do you think if Decord starts that game against the Flames, that the Senators actually end up taking that game rather than losing it 7-3? I mean, like you can never say this like definitively because it's not an exact like comparison. But it's like if you if you assume that Decord saves like the ones that Murray let in, like the three or whatever close to the beginning of the game, then that's a game that the Sens take to overtime or something, you know. So those ones are kind of tough to take. Uh, overall, we were outscored, but not hugely, like 17 to 15. Like, there's a couple blowouts, but otherwise, all the games were reasonably close. Um, the 5 1 win against Calgary last week on Monday, that's what started off this week, was another really comprehensive performance. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we hit a, hit a bit of a wall against the Habs, and the rest of the week kind of, you know, went downhill from there, uh, with the exception of that battle back, uh, you know, well, not battle back per se, but you know that that kind of tough tough win that we got with Calgary on Sunday, uh, the the one like you said where uh, it went to a shootout and it was all the penalties and everything like that. It's like we we almost well we did let them back into the game, but we still managed to close it out. So that's something at least you want to see that battle back and you know the ability from the team to like dig deep and kind of get over adversity uh, at least within reason. So happy to see that. Um, goaltending was rough this past week. That the last week or two. I mean, Murray, uh, Murray had a really good month of February for the most part. Uh, he stole a couple tough games, but generally looked a lot better. March has been another rough month for him. At least it's starting to shape yeah. up that way. He's just been inconsistent. Yeah, I saw a breakdown of you know his uh, save percentage by month, and you know January was like you know. 885 or something uh february was like 904 and then march so far has been around you know the 88 mark again um so obviously that needs to be better dakota's looked good in a couple starts so that's promising you know i i see no reason why not to let him have a bit of a run there's no reason to i know murray's our starter and uh you know we all want to see him play through it and get better but at at the same time you know there's no point riding him when he's clearly not having a good run just you know let him you know let him sit a couple games not as like a punishment but just like get in the right headspace and everything like that you know no point riding something if it's not the hot hand am i right exactly yeah and then uh one final note uh after you know the goaltending uh ryan dezingle uh made his debut again uh he played the last the last three games and he's put up two goals in that time he's looked pretty good i think he's uh you know, it's nice to have his speed. He's looked sharp, uh, you know, with the puck on his stick. He's got a couple nice goals, you know, goals that you kind of expect him to be scoring. You know, he's kind of streaking in, finishing off chances. 
uh, that's that's the kind of thing that we know to expect from his game, and it's nice to see him delivering on that front. You know, it's always good to see the expected. I mean, unexpected boons are always good, but at a certain point, you know, it's always nice to see players performing in the way that you expect them to, and that's uh, that's a positive with him. Honestly, I mean, every appearance Decord has made has been positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came in for uh, Marian relief in the 7-3 game. Sure, he gave up, you know, three goals, but uh, still played better than Murray. Uh, the, his game against the Habs, 3-1, um, he looked excellent. You know, two of the goals were against him. One of them was uh, was on an empty net. He moves the puck really well, and he's he's probably the best puck-handling goaling we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his ability to read the play and uh and focus on a puck is is pretty outstanding and i i think i'm i'm still of the mindset that we protect him and leave murray uh open simply because murray's contract's probably going to be a bit of a deterrent for seattle uh you know if they pick it up you know what like decord really might be able to take that next step and you know hogberg like it has had a rough go, but we've also seen him play well as well. So a tandem of those two might be interesting if Murray did get picked up. Calgary, uh, the 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 shootout game against Calgary was probably the, one of the worst referee games I've ever seen. Um, they couldn't buy a call, and then uh, you know, like to perfectly encompass the game, uh, Stutzla gets a diving penalty. Uh, when he can opened. Yeah. So, I mean, <sighs> I understand that refing is probably one of the most, like, it's a loveless job. Nobody likes you. Um, and I feel for that, like, referee development in Canada and the States in any sport is tough. I've seen refs, like, like people threatening to fight referees after my, like, minor hockey games. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, being a referee with that said games like that that's a reason you know why people say they'll fight you after a game and then finally you know uh edmonton and ottawa uh, another stellar performance from decord in my opinion like he was he was a he was a a, a menace against mcdavid yeah he like he he made mcdavid look human on a couple breakaways I mean, McDavid's an otherworldly being when it comes to a hockey player. Uh, Only three goals on a high-octane offense. We're on a back-to-back. I'm okay with the result. You know, Stutzla had a beautiful, beautiful snipe. So, um, Bardownski. Yeah, Bardownski. Overall, a really good performance. Um, In that game, you know, we lost, which is fine. Tank Nation. But at the same (laughs) time, the young guys did did their damn thing. Yeah, I'm mean, gonna have to agree. I think, like when you look at our our point leaders too for this team, it was the young guys for the most part that stepped up. So that was really nice to see. I think Decord has looked quite steady in net. The thing that uh, I heard about his puck handling is that apparently his dad used to practice with him like a lot with puck handling. His dad's and, the former uh, goalie coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs, yes, or he right. is the one right now. But uh, that his would be dad is the goalie coach. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so that's so. what I heard, and and that his uh, dad would practice stick handling quite a bit with him. So apparently, his stick handling's always been one of his fortes. 
And you could tell he looked confident when handling the puck. And yeah, you you just didn't feel uncomfortable. I know back when we had Craig Anderson, I love his career with the Sens, what he did for the team. I will never bash him for that. The one thing that we all agree on is his puck handling was was really sketchy at times. Oh, it, it would freak brutal. us out. Yeah. <laughs> and so to see Decord be able to have the confidence to play the puck and know what he wants to do with the puck is just, it's great. Uh, you love to see it. So I can't really complain about any of the results. The game against Montreal was kind of like a, just, I don't know. The effort wasn't really there. It was on a back-to-back, but they were just going from Ottawa to Montreal. So I can't really, you know, give them a free pass on that one because that's not really that much travel. Um, with the the loss to Edmonton, the 3-2-1, again, like you guys said, it was a back-to-back. I thought that they played fairly well considering, and considering the fact that Edmonton, like was mentioned, has a high-octane offense. Their power play has Dreisaitl, McDavid, and the Nuge. Like, holy crap. Plus, you got Tyler Berry, who, you know, defensive flaws for sure. But offensively, he's a guy who can quarterback a power play. Maybe on a cup contender, he's like your second line or sorry, second power play unit uh, quarterback. But uh, you can't really go wrong when you have Dry, Nuge and uh, McDavid up there at front. So not a bad result. And they have two more games against Edmonton in Edmonton this week on Wednesday and Friday. So we'll have to see how they play against those two. But I, uh, I, I've been pretty defensive of Murray. I, I don't really blame him for having a trash January to have a defense as bad as the center's defense was to start the season. February was just inconsistent. I'm not really sure what was going on there. I think, honestly, he's 26. Yes, he has four years on his deal. It's probably higher than some people would like. I get that. I definitely think that when Pierre Gruel has more time to work with him, and hopefully that's over the course of the season, we see that trend upwards before the season ends. Maybe it's the offseason that he really puts in some time and effort to reteaching him some things that maybe he wasn't taught by his former goalie coach in Pittsburgh or he needed to work on. But because Pittsburgh was such a good team, those issues weren't evident or at least not focused on. Um, so I think hopefully he'll bounce back. But I kind of am leaning towards going with Decord to start doing some 50-50 splits. Yep. Uh, let's see what the kid can do. Uh, he, he's like, what, 24, 25? The two year, uh, two year younger than uh, Matt Murray kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so no, weird. but it's true though. It's weird how we, yeah, it's weird how we define it, but it's true. Uh, let yeah. him get a couple of games in here. I mean, like I said, we have two more against Edmonton this week. Next week we play Toronto and Vancouver at home, back to back, and then play Vancouver uh, again before having a four days off. So I mean, next week I hope he gets a game against either Vancouver, Toronto. I mean, the Suns will probably put Murray in because he's played well against Toronto this season. Uh, minus, what, the 7-3... or seven, Was it a 7-3 loss? I think it was. It was another 7-3 loss. We, we tend to like those. We had a couple. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for that 6-5 game, I know that it was Hogberg that was in net. And then Murray came in for the 2-1 the game and uh, played quite well. But anyway, um, yeah. So hopefully they can split some time coming up. And... Uh, yeah, I want to see some more decor and see what he can do for us. Yeah, Go- goalies, goalies are voodoo, man. You just, you just gotta give them all a shot and just see who puts it together. I mean, there's so few, you know, there's so few goalies that are just like you know people identify. Yeah, this guy's gonna be a star. And then five years later, yeah, he's still gonna be a star. And then five years later, yeah, he's a star. The like, only goalie 
in my like in recent memory that I know that has been drafted and been told they're going to be a star and became a star was Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. Yeah. And there was never really a doubt with him. Yeah. I mean, no, like it's, it's kind of like goalies are very hard to predict. Yeah. It's like, I feel like every single season, there's at least one or two, even three goalies that basically come out of nowhere and yeah. have, you know, a great season. And maybe they build a career off that. Maybe they fizzle out after a few seasons anyway. Oh, I mean, it's, Bennington. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bennington was going to be my example of a couple seasons ago. And now yeah. he seems like he's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just like struggling to like find like the form that he had before. Uh, you know, Lankinen in Chicago is another one just came out of nowhere and just yep. put together, you know, an incredible like debut season. And, you yep. know, all of a sudden, like one of the, like possibly the worst goalie tandem in the league, which was in Chicago before the season started, all of a sudden it's like perfectly respectable. And it's just like, yeah. you can't, you can't legislate for that kind of thing. It's like, you know, um, just circling back briefly, because we talked about, you know, over the summer, it's like, oh man, we took like another goalie in the draft. We have so many in organization. Here we are in the month of March. And it's like, no, oh, fuck it. Just keep drafting goalies. Cause you never know. <laughs> like, uh, and, it's... and the guy we took is fire he's so good <laughs> i remember being like why the hell we have so many and now i'm just like yeah, yeah like, like you like, fire like you you specifically and <laughs> but yeah, no, the I, I, guy. yeah i was like who is this and now i'm like bro that's levy marilina and how the fuck don't you know that guy yeah. i mean like we'll see who guys like you know spencer knight um Yaroslav Oskarov and then coming up uh Jesper Wallstedt. Those are guys that have been like Vasilevskied in the sense uh mm -hmm. that they've been so hyped right from the get-go. Um how did we get here? But I love it, you know, talking about goalies. I I think Joey Decord uh he's such a cool story. Um you know, at every level he's succeeded like he's been able to just bring his game to that next level uh you know he would did it in the ushl uh then he did it for arizona state he did it in Binghamton or belleville and now uh you know he's rocking probably an above 900 save percentage uh in the nhl so let's keep going boys and coming up we have the NHL trade deadline. So that's going to be the focus of our next topic because it's almost a month away, guys. Like we're we're getting close. It's April 12th. And Pretty close. with yeah, and with American players having to quarantine for two weeks before joining their Canadian counterpart teams, if a trade happens between, you know, a US and a Canadian team. Well, I think trades are going to start rolling in sooner rather than later. Teams are going to have to decide, you know, are we a buyer or are we a seller? So on that note, the Senators have some pending UFAs, and I'll probably throw another couple players in there who aren't pending UFAs, but are probably trade bait players. But we'll start down the list, and you guys can just give me a yay or nay on this one, because are we even going to be able to trade this player? Artem Anisimov. Yeah, I feel like you can get something for him. Really? Okay, interesting. I mean... He in his like most recent showings, he's had a couple goals. So I guess it's not the uh, the worst for him. And he has four points in thirteen games. Maybe somebody would take him as like a depth center. It's possible. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna throw Chris Tierney out there. What do you guys think, Chris Tierney? Absolutely. Yeah, I think he gets you value back. So yay. Mm. 
I honestly hadn't considered uh, the possibility of moving him, but I think, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly be okay to move him. I think he brings a lot uh, to the team, um, but he's like, we have a lot of centers within the organization, and we know he's not really a long term part of that future, so may as well get some value for him. He'd be a good, you know, 3C on a, on a better team. Uh, I mean, he's a 3C on our team. I guess, isn't he? Pretty much. Or maybe like a 2-3, depending on the night. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, if someone's willing to take him on for two years, then absolutely, we could definitely get uh, get a decent return for him. Next up on the trade bait board, Ryan Dezingle. Do you think the centers unload him, or do they keep him? See, this one's interesting. Because... I I mean probably they're probably going to trade him but I feel like it's not the worst thing in the world to have him as your like three or fourth line winger if he wants to stay for you know 2 million dollars a year if he takes a wage cut I definitely think he could stay on the team yeah and if he doesn't want signing bonuses or any trade movement clauses or anything other than just a base salary and you can be in the lineup bud <laughs> yeah i uh something tells me that we don't move him but that we'll regret not moving him as much as as much as i like the guy i'd, I'd love for him to find some more success here and you know initial Initial, um, you know, feedback seems good so far. Mm-hmm. I just have the feeling that, you know, he's going to build up a lot of value, but we're going to hang on to him kind of like for sentiment. Um, yeah. And then we're going to sign him to, like you say, like a like a three by two million or something. And then he's just like not really going to do anything else. And like it's not going to it's not going to like hurt the team, but it's not really going to help the team either. Um, I don't hate a three by two million, though. No, I don't hate it either. Like, I mean, like 28. So yeah, I mean he's certainly uh he's certainly got more uh more hockey and more mileage. Case. Yeah. Uh man's actually turned 29 today. Happy birthday Ryan Dizingle. Oh, happy birthday Ryan Dizzy Dizingle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, also side note, do you guys know what they call Jack Hughes in New Jersey? This is really random, but sure, what? <laughs> Lil Jizzy. Uh Ugh. wow. That's, I know. I know. I I hate that. Okay. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a that's a nickname that I will forever like, imagine remember, I guess. being okay with having somebody call you Lil Jizzy. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm not going to touch on that subject. This is a, ch- this is a family channel, <laughs> a family show here on the it's, sense. Except that- we have to put an E because I dropped an F bomb. Yeah, it's okay. I think Bennett did too. Yeah, we're going with a parental warning on this one. Yeah, fair. Uh, but anyway, well, Jesus, so off track. Um, I was going to say on Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard. Like, if the senators keep him, I don't think it's necessarily a mistake. But I do think he doesn't really fit into our plans long term. If if he can play on the right side, okay, that makes it a little bit more interesting. It would be cool to see a third line of like, well, I guess if Tierney moved out, it would be cool to see a line of Dzingel, Paul, and Connor Brown, because then because uh, Paul has played center in his career. So if you just have a line like that as your third line, that'd be cool. But yeah, I'm with you guys. Wouldn't be for too much salary because he's going to be a depth player at this point. Mm. And if he wants top six money, well then I think that's a conversation that needs to be had prior to the trade deadline. And if he wants top six money, then sorry, dude, but uh, we're going to have to send you uh, elsewhere. 
next up on our list, we have Eric Goodbranson, but he's been Eric uh, Bad Branson lately. So, um, uh, that was an Eric bad joke, but um, <laughs> my my head says, uh, or my like my heart says nay, and he does not get traded because he's bad. But my my big brain hockey person take is. He could because he has value as a former third overall pick. I don't even know if that'll weigh in anymore. I genuinely think it weighs in. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Where would he even go? Honestly, probably Pittsburgh. Oh, God. Yeah, true. They love uh, defensemen that have been uh, drafted high and stuff like that. Well, I mean, their, they have their hockey ops has changed. Yeah, true. Hockey ops has changed because now it's Brian oh, Burke. Yeah, and, no, you're uh, right. Ron they definitely yeah. would want him. <laughs> <laughs> like Brian Burke would salivate at the idea of like a good Branson hitting somebody, but also like hitting them so late that a he gets a penalty, but it didn't matter because they scored because he was completely out of position. Hell yeah, go Bennett. off, King. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I suspect he doesn't get traded simply because DJ seems to really like him. Although, you know, that decision is ultimately up to the GM, not DJ. I'm sure there's going to be some dialogue there. But, you know, uh, DJ Smith talks to, you know, talks about Good Branson the way that we talk about our pets, like when they've done something bad. It's like, oh, who did a bad thing? Oh, it's okay, precious. Kind of, it's like, you know, it's just like, the man just loves good Branson <laughs> and everything he brings to the table, which is very little <laughs> for whatever reason. DJ just uh DJ just lives for like big immobile defensemen. I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not here to kink shame, but it's, oh my God. it's something worth investigating. Um we the have the thing funniest is, podcast in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> the smart thing is obviously to move him. Do yeah. we move him? <clears throat> Like, I don't know. I think the the next one, you know, Mike Riley, I mean, I think it's more likely we move Mike whoa, Riley. Whoa. We haven't gone to Mike Riley. Like, hold your horses. I know. Yeah, you ha- you jumped too soon. I know. What I know. the hell? He was our next one, dude. I know. I was going to say. shaking everything up. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, dude? I was going to say, Eric Goodbranson, guys, DJ Smith won't even scratch him from the lineup. Why do we think that he's actually going to be okay with good Branson getting traded and if it's anything that we've realized from this past year it seems like dj smith has a hand in what moves this team makes look at josh brown right there look yeah look at josh brown (laughs) oh god look at uh what's his face that came in uh austin watson (laughs) these are players (laughs) i'm I'm losing full right now these are players that came in that are dj smith-esque players you know uh, I mean, he got Nikita Zaitsev, essentially, and Connor Brown. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to count those, but yes, he definitely likes them because of his whole Leafs connection and all that. So, yes. But anyway, now, Bennett, you can jump the gun on Mike Riley. All right. What do you think happens with him? I yeah, think, Bennett. I think, <laughs> I think that Mike Riley has had a good couple weeks. I think he has more upside than Goodbranson. And I think that there's some definite teams, you know, on a better team where it'd be like a third pairing guy, but who can like, you know, uh, pinch hit on the power play kind of thing. That'd be really valuable. And I think we could definitely get something for him. 
Now, again, he's another player where I don't think he really features into the plans of you know, the team too, too much. I think we have so mm-hmm. many good young defensemen coming through. Um, but, I mean, also, like, DJ has talked, like, pretty highly of him, too, so I can also see him staying. It's just, I think, like, ultimately, like, one of either Goodbranson or Riley is going to get moved before the deadline, I think. And it's just going to kind of, it's probably just going to depend on what they can get. And I think, ultimately, they'll get more for Riley, so I think he'll be the more likely yeah. to get moved. I I think you can get a like a third or even a second out of Riley, to be a honest. A second. Honestly, like I feel like it's not even that he's been playing that well. I just think teams will would be so desperate for a puck moving defenseman if they're having injury trouble. Uh like, you know, I'm going back to them, but Pittsburgh has been like decimated by well, actually, genuinely, their their decor kind of sucks, um, and Mike Riley would would probably add something solid there. But totally, yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how uh, the trade deadline shapes up because we could see a situation where you know players are getting you know uh, teams are overpaying for players, or they could be underpaying. You know, yeah. depending on like kind of how things go like if it ends we up being underpaid a... for dezingle if you think about it <laughs> Why, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Agree. like we absolutely did um i think that uh praise be yeah it could really go either way because you know if we find a situation where uh you know teams yeah like they're, they're facing injuries you know they uh they have to really you know shell out to get players because not every team is looking to shop players right now and the, the teams that are in selling positions could really take advantage of other teams need but you could also see it the other way of you know not there the market is isn't saturated so no bidding wars aren't really like developing it's i don't know it's just it could go it could go either way yeah yep uh i think with mike riley um yeah he's he's a puck movie defenseman you can play on your second unit power play He's a guy who you can at least trust in transition and off on offense. His defensive positioning is suspect to say the least. He's not great in that aspect, but I think teams tend to look past defensive flaws. If there's offensive upside, it seems to kind of be a league wide trend that, you know, I don't want to crap on Quinn Hughes. Cause that means Vancouver fans will have my head, but, um, <laughs> Quinn Hughes, for example, you know, great offensive player. He's not the best defensively, but everyone gives him a pass because he's very dynamic offensively. Obviously, he's a young player. He can learn the defensive side of the game, but it's it's just one example. Moving on from that, there's one more defenseman I want to ask you guys about. Christian Wolanin. He's played nine games with the setters. He has one assist. It's obvious that DJ Smith is treating him even worse than... Colin White to start the season, he is just not getting into the lineup at all. So what do you guys think the future is for Willannon? I I think they probably trade him. I mean, the way uh, DJ Smith has treated this guy is ridiculous, and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty tired of it. And regardless of how he played when he did play, if it wasn't strong, that's fair. But the guy deserves a goddamn game over a guy like Braden Coburn does. You know what Braden Coburn's going to bring to the lineup. He shouldn't be seeing any NHL ice. 
uh, for the Ottawa Senators anymore. Yet, you know, he comes in when people get injured. Christian Willannon deserves a decent shot and just has not got it. So I think how they're treating him is bullshit. And uh, I hope they trade him for his sake because uh, it's deplorable. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really see him becoming... I guess last year before he got injured, I was like, okay, okay, this is the Willannon we've been waiting to see. He's the Willannon who, you know, tends to be uh, or looks to be breaking out. Um, oh, sorry, not last season. He was injured most last season. I mean the season before yeah. where he played 30 games. He had 12 points. He's, he looked to really be coming into his own. And I was excited. I was like, okay, here's a guy who's, you know, 23 at the time. And it looks like he'll be a solid top four left-handed defenseman. And then his career just got derailed by injury, I think. And then coming into the lineup this year, he has a couple defensive gaffes, maybe a little more than a couple. And he's just like out of the lineup for good, essentially. Yep. And I think at this point, it's probably better to sell high. I mean, he's probably lower. When I say sell high, we're just going to use that loosely. Like comparatively. Yeah. But you sell high on a guy who doesn't have enough NHL experience for GMs to really be able to make like a concrete opinion. Okay, was he in a bad situation in Ottawa? You know, what happened here? His injury history, okay, he didn't play much. But when he did play, how did he look? Uh, is this the type of guy who can grow with our system, play in our team, get better here where there's more opportunity? And I think that that's a potential trade opportunity that would work for the Senators. And maybe that's something they do. I'm not advocating to just go out and actively trade him. But at the same time, I think that Sanderson could take his spot next year. And so I'm not really opposed to moving him on. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, um, well, and he plays on the left side, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't that? He right? does. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the left hand side is, is really, is really tough to crack right now. Cause you know, typically we've got, you know, Shabbat is a lock for the first pairing on that side. Yeah. And then we've got, I think Riley is on that side. And then Brandstrom. And it's like, I guess Riley is who you would want Will Lannon to replace there. But Riley hasn't been bad. So it's kind of, it's kind of a weird situation. It's like, would you, would I rather see Will Lannon playing than Riley? Maybe. But would I rather see Willannon playing than Brandstrom? Not really. I'd kind of rather see Brandstrom playing there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, it's been said time and time again, like, any chances of Brandstrom moving to the right-hand side are, are non-existent. Like, the coach, the organization, everyone, they've been super-duper clear on that. Uh, so Brandstrom is a left-hand side defenseman. And when you've got, you know, Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Riley in the depth chart ahead there, there's no obvious place for Willannon. And with Jake Sanderson coming up, there is no place for Willannon. So yeah. I you know, as much as uh as much as I like the guy and I wish he'd been able to get a better shot, honestly, like the injury just kinda cost him and that just kinda happens, you know? It happens to a hundred guys a year kind of thing, you know, if we're talking all the levels of hockey. Yeah. Uh and you know, there's probably a million players that we've never heard of because something like that happened to them at a key point in their development. And it sucks, but it's just part of the game and there's not really much you can do to legislate for that. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I also think he was kind of, at least at this point in time, projecting out to be a Chris Weidman esque player, where he ends up just being on your bottom pairing as an offensive moving guy, uh, puck moving guy. But I mean, it's it, to me, it's it's kind of like the situation that Chris Weidman was in his last season with the Sens, like. You know, he actually had good points. He had 12 points in 19 games. Or sorry, 5 points in 19 games. Wow. I misread like, that one, boys. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he moved along to Edmonton. He had 2 assists in 5 games. Moved to the Panthers. Played a game. And uh, since then, he basically has never touched the NHL ice. He played in the yeah, AHL, and he now he's in, in the, the KHL. KHL. right now, and he's like, I think he has 59 points. <laughs> no, no, uh, he has 59 games played. He has 41 points. But, that's incredible uh, for a defenseman. That's still solid. Yeah, he's doing quite well for himself over there. So good for yeah. him. Does he really? That's wild. I had no yeah, idea. He's having a hell of a KHL season yeah. for the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, more power to you. Where does he play? Uh, he plays for the. Oh God, I'm gonna mispronounce this. Uh, Nizhny Novgorod Torpedo. There you go. Hell yeah! Shout out now to, you know everybody. To, to Nizhny Novgorod. Yeah, exactly. Torpedo baby. Um. Anyway, we're gonna look at. Oh, actually, before we get to that, I'll name one more defenseman. Braden Coburn. What do you think happens to Braden Coburn? <laughs> All right, good talk. We'll wrap it up there. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Some GM might be like, you know, he won a Stanley Cup. I, I could actually see him getting uh, like a mid-round pick from a GM who's like, you know, he's got Stanley Cup experience. Uh, he's that kind of player that old school GMs 100% would take a flyer on. Yeah, call Brian Burke. Exactly. Yeah, call call anybody uh, that's not Tampa Bay. All right. Well, there's one more, and this is kind of like a I don't want to say a curveball per se, but their contract expires after this year. Okay, they just turned 23 years old. They're in RFA this summer. Their name is Logan Brown. What do we think happens with Logan Brown? Trade. He is eligible for the expansion draft this summer too. So yeah. I mean, like it's it's pretty clear that that, you know, apparently also that this came up recently, uh, that I guess kind of flew under the radar. There was an incident at like the inner squad game where Brown laid a really bad hit on Shabbat and then Brady fought him. When was this? During an inner squad game. Like during training camp, you mean? Yeah, or? during tra- training camp, yeah. That, huh. that sounds kind of familiar. I didn't really bump on it at the time. Yeah, but now and you're I, that... I was perusing Twitter recently, and Murray Pam, he's a... Uh, um, Porter for full press. Yeah, and he, he's been going, uh, talking about the Senators for quite some time. And uh, he was there and saw it. And somebody said, like, what is happening? And he said, well, this might actually have something to do with it. And he was the one that tweeted it. Um, and I saw that. And I was like, oh, that kind of does sound like a DJ Smith thing that he would do. Yeah. I mean, that also sounds just in general like a, a locker room thing that you yeah, don't want to have happen. Absolutely. Like, look at, uh, look at, remember Pat Seeloff when he hit Clark yeah, MacArthur? Fuck that dude. Yeah. Anyway, but, but like, you know, he, he did that. And yes, every sense fan like despised him for it. Yeah. Uh, and after that, Bobby Ryan went over and just annihilated his soul into the ground. But it's very interesting because Seeloff was a guy who played 
two NHL games in his career and had two goals. Both NHL games he played, he had a goal. Imagine being a 100% scorer. I know, eh? What a god. As a defenseman, too. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he comes in. And then after that, that disastrous hit on Clark MacArthur, he's basically been in the AHL since. And he has, like, never seen the NHL again. He was just kind of bad and bit her. Wow, I messed that up. But he's just been banished to the shadow realm, essentially. Dude <laughs> is just gone from the hockey universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's playing in the AHL, but it truly be like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that coaches and GMs just, they, they just don't, uh, they just don't jive with it. I mean, like, listen, yeah. they want to see guys go hard in training and in practice and stuff, but you have to, you have to recognize, like, you're not there to lay out your teammates. Like you're there to like finish your checks or whatever, but you know, don't, you know, really lean into it. And imagine laying out a guy that just got back from like a year long concussion battle and yeah. you knock him on his ass and like you essentially knock him out. Yeah. Like, Oh God. We theorized before about, you know, what is it that Logan Brown did? Yeah. You know, my theory was that he said he was going to take Doyon's daughter to prom, but they didn't. Uh, clearly, this, you know, this probably has something to do with it. It's yeah. probably not the whole reason. I mean, there's five years of reasons why he hasn't made it onto the team thus far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel for Logan Brown because maybe he's thinking, listen, I got to go real hard in training camp, really got to, like, make a name for myself here, try and carve out my niche within this team, trying to use that big body of his. But he just goes about it in like the totally wrong way. And <laughs> it's probably not enough to sync his profile with the team like in and of itself. But, you know, if he didn't impress otherwise and then his one contribution was something that like nobody liked to see, then yeah, it's yeah. I, anyway, going back to we're way off topic here. Going back to your original question, Matt. Uh yeah, like we gotta trade him. I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen before the deadline necessarily i think that maybe we trade him in the off season at least that's what i've heard other people say you know which for good reason like he's not a piece that can help a contending team like he's like still basically a prospect that's not really the kind of deadline moves you tend to see uh but i think certainly within the next you know six months we're gonna see the end of logan brown's tenure here in ottawa now one thing that was brought up that i thought was interesting and it was brought up by mark mathod actually is Mark Mathot said, what would you think about trading Logan Brown? And this was his uh, example given to Winnipeg for defenseman Logan Stanley. Now, Logan Stanley was also drafted in 2016 in the first round. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that the center should, but it's also something interesting to think about. Like, should the Senators trade him for another player who could probably use an opportunity on a new squad to really show what they're capable of? of doing and really come out into their own. So it would be interesting maybe to see if the senators would do something like that, where they look for that player. That's kind of not really emerged yet a player that with some, like a, a system shakeup, essentially they could do a little bit more with. So I think that might be something interesting or maybe a player who's having like some struggles on on their NHL squad that they're in, but they're still that young age that they could be developed and kind of work better in a new system. I'm just throwing it out there. It would be interesting to see the centers do something like that. So, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our trade deadline part. 
Uh, now we're going to move on to something that I know, other Matt, you are just excited to talk about. So UND's season just finished up, and there's a few players who are f- college free agents who the Senators could potentially sign if they wanted to. So other Matt, I'll let you hop into that because I know you've been looking at a few here. Uh, so yeah, just go for her. Yeah, I mean, I I won't I won't take up too much time. I just think they'd be they'd be great depth options that ha that could have the ability to turn out. You know, like look at guys undersized guys like uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, he was undrafted and has ha- carved out a pretty solid NHL career for himself. And I I'm kind of likening uh, him to players. Uh, on UND, one being Jordan Kawaguchi, who's currently the captain of uh, of UND. He's up for uh, Hobie Baker, along with uh, Sens prospect Shane Pinto, as well as uh, defenseman on the team, Matt Kirsten. Uh, with that said, Kawaguchi has 27 points in 23 games. He's second in team scoring, uh, just missing the cut of Shane Pinto <laughs> uh, at 28. Um, there's clearly uh, a lot to to bring in here. Uh, I mean, like, we're hurting in terms of uh, depth at the, the Belleville level. Um, and just bringing somebody in that could... Uh, help there and has the opportunity to to become an interesting type of prospect. Uh, it definitely you know uh, a good option. But there's also another undersized forward on on UND who's had a pretty good season, all things considered, as a as as a freshman, and that's uh, Reese Gaber. Uh, Gaber was playing on on a line with Pinto for for quite some time, and their their chemistry right from the hop was was quite impressive. So I believe that would be another really good option. You know, Kawaguchi's twenty three, Reese Gaber's twenty one. The these would be um, you know good options to to bring in and increase the depth that have uh, you know who could have a future. Uh, as an NHL forward, but you have to see what they are first, as opposed to going after you know AHL forwards that have been toiling for a while. And then finally, uh, just um, improving our defensive depth by adding Matt Kirsten. Uh, as I said, he's up for um, Hobie Baker as well. Uh, he's had um, 19 points in 24 games as a defenseman. He's playing on a top pairing with uh, Bernard Docker. And, I mean, having good defensemen uh, and a plethora of them is not a bad problem to have. So adding a guy like these and adding these three guys would be an excellent opportunity for the Senators just because it improves your depth and you know what like they're they go to und they're basically the sends anyways so that was just kind of my spiel it's also a development program that the senators are very familiar with so that must bring some confidence in the organization to know that this is a university that grows their players properly uh, i believe christian will land and went to north dakota as well there there's a system already in place there that the senators have a lot of faith in and i think that shows when they take sanderson and clevin in this past draft 
that really shows that they have a lot of interest in that program. So yeah, uh, adding three players from there, that'd be hilarious, but uh, it would be very interesting. It would be fine for chemistry because as far as I know, all the players from that program uh, got along quite well together. The centers would be able to, you know, review all the footage uh, if they didn't have uh, an actual scout there. I've heard before that UND, because of how good their you know, play-by-play is, how good their commentating is, how good their just video is for those games, that it's a lot easier to do video scouting. It's not the most reliable thing, but it's still a possibility. So the centers would probably have a better read on what these players really are and what they think their potential could be. So when you put the chemistry together, the trust in their development system, the ability to at least video scout if they don't have a scout in person, and the connections that they probably have to like coaching staff, uh, you know, uh, broadcasters and all that in that area, I think really makes it an interesting point of view to look at on how the centers could pick up more depth players, like you said, Matt, for their AHL team and potentially for players that have a chance of becoming something in the NHL. Now, with Jordan Kawaguchi, guys, look at this connection. Okay. Kawaguchi's cousin is Devin Setaguchi. Devin Setaguchi's last team he played for was Adler Mannheim. Stutzla's DEL team was Adler Mannheim. It comes full circle. Oh my God. Kawaguchi to the centers confirmed. Wow. <laughs> you love it. Big if true. Uh, no, but to, to, be on, uh, to be honest, on a more serious note, uh, it would be nice, especially to add some more depth up front. Uh, Matt Kearsett definitely looks like a, a very nice defensive piece to add, but I think both Kawaguchi and Gaber are pieces that I would love to see on the AHL squad, especially with really Greg probably having to go back to junior if junior starts up again at some point this season. And with Gre- yeah, Greg already went back. Mm-hmm. He did. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he had gone quite yet. And with Logan Brown potentially on his way out, it would be nice to see some more forward depth come in and yeah, just, kind of get some more guys in your system that you can just see how they perform at a pro level and go from there. Yep. Absolutely. Now the last thing we'll look at is the potential changes to the 2021 draft. Uh, That just came out, I believe yesterday and teams would be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period, which I think is pretty interesting because look at the senators going through rebuild. That means like what? No, they would get Kachuk, and then they got the um, what's it called? Oh, I guess two lottery wins, so that doesn't count. Yeah, never mind. I'll back out. I'll I'll dial that one back. But anyway, yeah, two lottery wins in a five-year period. That makes sense. It's probably the Edmonton lottery rule. (laughs) Teams would only be allowed to jump ten spots with a lottery win, so no more for a team finishing like just outside the playoff bubble and jumping to first. And New York Rangers. Yeah, really. (laughs) And uh, wasn't it? the draft, I believe it was 2017, Philadelphia and Dallas both jumped into the top three. Yeah. And I think the Devils moved up as well or something. Anyway. Devils always move up. Yeah. <laughs> and the number of picks decided by lottery would be reduced from first, second, third to just first and second, which is also interesting. So I think that is... That's good. It's it's better for tanking. Well, I shouldn't say tanking teams, sorry. It's better for teams <laughs> that are basically tanking or at least should admit that they're, you know, not good at all and are not going to win many games. So, I think it's a positive change to the rules and yeah, we'll see if that 
ends up benefiting the centers if it comes if that actually comes to fruition and gets applied to this draft or if it's applied to next draft whatever the case may be i think it's a, definitely a step forward because no team that finishes like 15th should have a chance like the toronto maple leafs last year when they had a chance to get lafreniere like come on seriously <laughs> that should not be happening i just anyway i digress so <laughs> <laughs> oh man do you guys have thoughts on that honestly I mean uh, I like the no more than two lottery wins in a five year period that would directly affect um, New Jersey uh, I know they've done that <laughs> quite a bit um, the team's allowed to jump only 10 spots like that as well I mean personally I wish it was like five yeah I think five um, would be better as well yeah and then uh Three to two, I'm fine with as well, just because, uh, you know, that's a lot of big picks to be lottery eligible. So just, I, I mean, I wish, you know, if you're the crappiest team, that's it. That's all you get the pick. Um, but I understand that in the past, there have been teams that have tanked. So, well, like Buffalo, remember the whole Ted Nolan thing that came out and he said his management was like actively wanting him to tank. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, Buffalo Sabres are a talk we don't need to touch, thank God. But, man, <laughs> I'm glad that the centers, at least I hope, you know, hopes that the centers are, are panning out uh, or at least trending in the right direction. Uh, yeah, I, I would hate to be a Sabres fan right now. I feel for them a lot. Having been, like, sort of in their position, I feel for the Sabres fans a lot. For sure. Well, on that note, thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you next week when the Senators take on everybody in the Canadian division yet again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, just hit the re- the rewind button and just run it back. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, who we who we playing this week? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, Edmonton again. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> who are yeah. we playing this week? Somebody from Canada. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Dude, I yeah. would legit take a game against the Sabres at this point, man. Yeah, we oh, Sabres yeah. Sabres sense games. <laughs> I'm Sabres sure. sense games are like really boring half the time, if not like seventy five percent of the time. But like. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that there are it. other coaches in the NHL beyond the Canadian division that need to get fired. And I'm just saying that, you know, we are depriving the rest of the league of a service that we could provide in, so you know, putting the nails in the coffins of, you know, <laughs> tenuously employed coaches everywhere. Uh, and I feel for the other teams don't get to play us, don't get to have that experience. I mean, yeah. and Eichel could get, uh, you know, he could get acquainted with his uh, future line mates. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you in episode 14. Later. See you, bunch of sickos. <laughs> <laughs>